With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. See the ability, not the disability. That was one of the long term impacts of the 2012 Paralympic Games in London. In the decade since, athletes from Great Britain and Northern Ireland have consistently competed at the very highest level of disability sport. The organisation responsible for selecting and preparing the teams for both the Summer and Winter Games is the British Paralympic Association. I'm Michael. And I'm John. Founded in 1989, the BPA is a registered charity and recently unveiled their new strategy to inspire a better world for disabled people through sport. The BPA has also faced a number of challenges brought about by the pandemic, including the delayed Tokyo Games and the then troubled build-up to Beijing following the invasion by Russia of Ukraine. There's been a number of big calls for the man in charge. Hi, I'm Mike Sharrock. I'm the Chief Executive of the British Paralympic Association. Mike, great to have you on Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy. And coming off the back of two, what I guess you will look back on as successful Paralympic Games, the Summer Games in Tokyo, followed hot on the hills by the Winter Games in Beijing. Yes, it's been, uh, well, it's been a remarkable time for everybody, hasn't it, the last couple of years. And that was very much a first for us delivering teams to two games in six months. We normally get a bit, bit more of a break in between, um, but it, it was an incredible time and it was, it was just incredible to see how the athletes responded to, to, to having to train during the pandemic and the incredible success that they achieved at both Tokyo and, and Beijing. It was, it was remarkable. It, it sort of says a lot, doesn't it? Not only to their skill and, 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 how brilliant they are as athletes, but also to their resilience. And it was just such an incredible story of resilience from the team. Um, you know, and, and in a way, I guess that's what, um, that's sort of what the Paralympics stands for. You know, it's, it's, and it, in, in some ways it's not surprising that the athletes were, were able to, to go and do that, but it was just incredible. And let's talk about your athletes because 
Paralympics GB is one of the standout success stories of sport in this country, not just in the last couple of years, but now over at least a decade. In, in the UK, I think we should feel very proud of, of, of our athletes and what they've, what they've achieved. I think um, UK was, of course, the, the birthplace of the Paralympic movement um, all, all those years ago. Um, but I think what the, 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 real, the real moment where we saw that shift in the UK was London 2012, of course. But I think London was the time that the world saw Paralympic sport as elite sport for the first time at scale. I think a lot of people knew it was beforehand, but I think just the, the, the way in which it was so brilliantly projected by Channel 4 and, and, and the work that they did. Um, but just the fact that we had 80,000 people at every single session inside the, the, the stadium cheering on our, uh, our, our team and cheering on the athletes um, I think I think it was it was a really pivotal moment for the for the movement, both in terms of you know, how they're seen as as elite athletes, but but also I think that was the moment where we could really see the impact that our athletes had on shifting attitudes to disability. And I think something very special happened in the UK that summer, which is still there. You know, I think people did start to focus more on the ability rather than the disability and you know and and that's continued since then um having said that of course there's still an awful lot more that still needs to be done if you're disabled in the uk you're still less likely to work you're less likely to to, to play sport and, and maybe you're more likely to feel excluded from society in some way so there's an awful lot more to do but it was a huge moment for us and talking about elite sport you quite rightly mentioned London 2012 as being a game-changing moment. But before that, the introduction of lottery money in the late 90s, does that just go to show that a properly funded model can work in Paralympic sport as well? I think so, yes. And I, I think it's been a tremendous story of success over, over the last 20 years. And, and I know our athletes are you know, hugely appreciative of that. And if we look around the world... You know, I just think we we can feel very fortunate that we're we're part of a system that recognises our Paralympians for for what they are, which is brilliant sports people. And I think many countries in the world aren't at that place yet. I think they're catching up fast. I think a lot of people have seen what we're doing in the UK and are are, are trying to replicate that. Uh, but I think there's no doubt that that the the fact that Paralympians are seen alongside Olympians as they should be um, and that the same funding opportunities are available to them uh, is, sits absolutely behind, you know, behind that success. Let's talk a bit about the British Paralympic Association because the athletes get funded through their NGBs, the national governing bodies. But you guys at the British Paralympic Association, not necessarily in receipt of lots of government money, you need to raise your own finance, you are a charity, is that correct? Yeah, that is right. Um, you know, we've got two roles at the BPA. Um, our first role, in a way, is, you know, it's our job to get a best prepared team to the Games, to the Summer Games and the Winter Games. So we're responsible for the selection and getting the team to the Games and managing the team at the Games. And we take that job really seriously. We do everything we possibly can. We've got a fantastic team at the BPA who work really hard not just at games time, but through the whole four-year period leading up to the games, um, because we do believe that everything we can do 
to make sure that every single athlete can compete at their best when it matters most is just so important, not only for the success that we see, and we've had fantastic success from, from, from Tokyo and Beijing and, 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 and previously, um, but it's the impact that that success has and that success brings with it. So we are really clear, and there's a lot of evidence from London that it is those inspiring performances of the athletes that, that lead to people thinking differently about disability. And that is the second part of what we do at the BPA. We, we are committed to help to drive the social change that comes from those performances in, in the best way we can. And so we've got an, a really ambitious plan over the coming years to try and do more. So it's not just about shifting attitudes to disability, but we want to find the partnerships and, and like-minded people so that we can turn those athlete, that those performances into, into real change for disabled people in the UK. And to put it bluntly, how do you pay for that? How are you financed? And when games are postponed as Tokyo was, how much of a challenge was that in terms of the profit and loss? Yeah, it was a huge challenge. I mean, we weren't alone, of course. It was a challenge for, as you say, we're a charity and many, many charities across the UK were hugely challenged uh, going through the pandemic. And, and we we were too. We, we are a charity. We do get uh, some funding from uh, from UK Sport, from the, from the lottery funding, um, and for which we're very, very grateful. It's around about 13 or 14% of, of what we spend over a cycle. So the rest of it, we need to go out and, and raise ourselves. So we've got a great commercial team here at the, the BPA. We've got some fantastic commercial partners uh, who you know, basically share our vision for um, trying to create a more inclusive world through 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 the sport. And, and, and so but we've always you know, we've always got to do more. Um, and certainly the pandemic was a challenge. Um, you know, we were in a situation where many of those partnerships were due to run through till the end of 2020. And of course, we weren't able to, to, to offer our partners the highlight of that partnership, which was the summer games at the, at the end of it. So, uh, so we sat down with each of them. They, they just responded brilliantly because they, they supporting us for all the right reasons. And we were able to work that out with the partners with, we extended through to Tokyo and many of them are staying with us through, through to Paris. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's something that continues with, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a big part of what we have to do, which is to, to, to raise the money to allow us to send the team to the games and, and also to, to help drive the impact that comes on the back of that. And I think one of the things that I would like to get across is that the British Paralympic Association is separate to the British Olympic Association. Does it frustrate you when you pick up during Paralympics time and see headlines saying team gb have won medals at the paralympics because it's not team gb it's paralympics gb no it doesn't frustrate me but i you know i think it does frustrate certain members of my team of course um and that's inevitable i mean that the the um we are different we're not we're not the same as as the the boa i mean as it happens we 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 share an office with them and we we do an awful lot of things together. We talk to one another a lot. Um, we we do a lot of the same things, so we share a lot. Uh, but we are two separate organisations, um, and the the BOA are part of the. You now they're a member of the International Olympic Committee organisation, and we're a member of the International Paralympic Committee organisations. And those are 
two separate organizations that that come together for the for the games and do a lot together um, but no so we 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 work hard to uh, to build the paralympics gb brand um, but you're right there are there are still people who who, who confuse that and and um and, and think we're all part of team gb um team gb is a is a is a brilliant um is a brilliant team um and as is paralympics gb and and we're very proud of the fact that you know from the research that we do across the uk a, a lot of people feel that paralympics gb is is the most inspiring elite sports team uh, that the uk has so so we're, we're we're proud of our own position um but there is always more work to do of course is there an appetite from either side to come together perhaps and become one entity they have it in america of course they do have it in in the us and there are one or two other countries that do it as well i i don't think there's any serious appetite for that i mean i i um you know i think it, it might well have been looked at in in the past i think we are we are different organizations um and i think we are we feel that we are best served and our athletes are best served from being separate and being apart um the um i i think the one of the things that that we are really conscious of and if you if you look at the people that work at the bpa they are generally people that love sport but they're also highly motivated by the social impact that sits behind what we do and i think we're very conscious of our role as a charity um, allows us to um, access funding and do other things um, and, and keep the focus on on making sure that we're we're using those performances to to drive change um, and to work with different kinds of partners to drive change so i think there could be some efficiencies that could come together from if we were combined but i think there's bigger reasons why we should stay apart so let's talk a bit about you mike how does the man from bp become the <laughs> ceo of the bpa yes i thought you might ask me that um it wasn't planned i tell you sometimes things happen in life so yeah i had um uh, i i joined bp a long time ago i had a 30-year career with them i came out of university into bp i think if i remember they were the only people that offered me a job and i asked lots of people so i was very grateful to have a job but i had a brilliant 30 years with them and and loved every minute of it um very international in terms of what i did so i, I lived at, uh, around the world in different places doing different things um, but then the, the the big change happened when bp became a partner of london 2012 back in 2008 and so of course i put my hand up to say oh i'd like to get involved in that so i had the privilege of, of leading that team uh, it started with a team of two and at games time we had a thousand people on the team and and in a sense it just showed what an impact london 2012 had on you know we were a very you know a we were just a small part of of a much bigger thing and it was just such a privilege to be part of that when i took on that role the first thing i did was go out to beijing and watch the summer games i went to the olympics and thought wow this is incredible but then i went back for the paralympics and i guess something it it, it was quite quite personal i i was completely blown away by what I experienced at the Paralympics. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And I did feel what many, many people feel when they watch Paralympics is you have, 
thousands of disabled people coming together, but actually you just see the ability. You just see the incredible ability of these, of these incredible athletes. And it really struck me. And I realized that it was going to be a big thing in London in four years time. And so we put the Paralympics right at the heart of what we did. And so I guess that's, for, you know, from that moment I've been hooked. And so when I left BP, back in 2015 again I, I you know I kept in touch with the Paralympic movement and I was working I actually went back to school I went to uh, I did a master's in coaching and behavior change um, for three years at the Henley Business School and and loved it and was coaching and one of my clients happened to be the International Paralympic Committee so I would go over to Bonn every now and again and and but he, but this wasn't planned and i think it was just it when when the opportunity came along i was asked to sort of throw my hat my name throw my hat in the ring um which i did and it just seemed like one of those things that felt right um and i do feel incredibly privileged to be doing this job i mean it is it is the most fantastic um thing to be part of um and there is such a great team here at the bpa so it's it's a real privileged to be leading them who wooed who did you have to go to the bpa with a presentation and said this is my vision or did they have to come to you and say this is your package <laughs> um well it's a bit of a funny story i guess because i got a call from a headhunter who wanted to come and talk wanted me to come in and talk about it and and i guess quite naively i just genuinely thought he wanted some advice because of my involvement with the paralympics so i went in and had a chat and I was very happily sharing my view about the role and what what they needed. He asked me how much money they should pay. I said, "Oh, don't pay very much because you want someone with uh, you know passion for the role." Um, and then, of course, he then asked me, "Well, what about you?" And and it literally hadn't crossed my mind because I was at that point I had my own little coaching business and I was happily doing that. But I then went away and thought about it, and it just felt like the right thing. And so having scuppered my own salary, um, I had to make sure it was something that I really wanted to do, which of course it was. So did you go back and add another note onto the end? No, unfortunately not, but that's okay. Cause I think, you know, I think there are some things that you do because you're really passionate about it. And, and, I, and this is some, this is sort of my motivation for, for doing this. And, you know, I, uh, I'm very, very happy with the, the salary I get paid, you know, and, uh, but it's, it's, that's that's not what it's all about, of course. So when you joined the BPA, what were the challenges, if you like, on day one? Because sometimes a, a CEO will come in, they might need to execute a culture change. They might need to rebalance an organization. What did you arrive thinking you needed to do? I, I think the biggest um, challenge at the time was funding. Um, and I think the... Um, as as a, We talked about it a moment ago, but as a charity, the BPA is always needing to uh, to make sure it can secure the funds to do what it wants to do and i think when i arrived the funding was um quite fragile and you know it still is to a certain extent but the the funding was quite fragile and the risk of course if you're in a situation where you're not sure about your funding is that it can if you're not careful limit your ability to sort of think about the possibilities of what you can do and so i think trying to get the funding sorted out it, uh, which I've spent a lot, of, you know, we, we as an organization have spent a lot of time over the last few years doing that. Um, and doing that during the pandemic has been additionally challenging, um, has been really important. I mean, having said that, we've had some fantastic support from UK Sport. UK Sport really 
really get what we're trying to do. Um, and they have, uh, they, they stepped in when we needed some additional help during the pandemic as well, um, as did our corporate partners. Uh, but I think we are now in a, you know, in, in a more secure financial position than we were going into the pandemic. And I think that allows us to start to, to really make sure that we're not leaving anything on the table in a way so that we're really able to think through, you know, what are the possibilities. Um, and we've just recently published a, our new 10-year strategy. I mean, actually, it's the first time we've published a 10-year strategy. We've tended in the past to think in four-year cycles, but of course, the world doesn't always operate in four-year cycles. And by thinking slightly longer term, we're able to be more ambitious in terms of what we can do um, with the movement, what we can do to try and help shift attitudes to disability and improve lives for disabled people in the UK. So we've got big plans over the coming years in, in terms of what we want to do on that side of things as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Obviously, the British Paralympic Association prepares teams for a summer games and a winter games. But do you feel, and you've probably just said, yes, you do. Do you feel that responsibility that actually you've got a wider societal role as far as disabled people in this country are concerned? We do. We feel that very strongly. And I think uh, if you ask anyone in the BPA, they all feel that. I think every single person in the BPA, no matter what their role, I mean, we're a relatively small team. We have, you know, 35 of us or so in the BPA. Um, and every single person is involved, no matter what they're doing, is involved in helping to drive social impact, um, helping to make change happen, helping to shift attitudes to disability and 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 get the focus onto onto ability and so um, we do feel a responsibility and we are fortunate to be working with some really great partners um, not just commercial partners others as well you know working with organizations like channel 4 for instance who really feel that passionately i mean they 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 have a they bring a passion to their work at the paralympics which is clear to see in terms of how they go about what they do and what they do um, and so we, we feel that and we are, you know, we, we'd like, you know, our, our aim is to carry on making sure that we do as much as we possibly can over the coming years to, to, to make change happen. Um, we want to work with athletes because athletes are the biggest ambassadors. Um, we, in, in a sense, many of many current and former Paralympians, um, uh, who you know they're they're busy out there day day by day um, making change happen in 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 their communities and we think there's probably more we can do to support them in what they're doing so that's that that'll be at the heart of our plans over the, the coming years. And you mentioned Channel Four, Kate Clayton from Channel Four, who's the sports partnership lead, has been a, a previous guest on Great British Bosses. We had Craig Spence from the IPC, and I was going to ask you about the partnership with the IPC because. I've been really impressed with the IPC broadly over the past couple of years, more impressed than I have with the IOC, I should probably say. And I thought their We the 15 campaign, I'd never thought about it in all honesty. Maybe that's me being naive, Mike, but I'd never thought about it. 15%. It hadn't ever occurred to me that that, that, that was yeah. the, the figure that was put on it. And I just thought that campaign was so effective. It absolutely is. You know, and, and, both Channel 4 and IPC are fantastic organizations. Um, and 
it's a lot of it's a lot of people you know that's that's 1.2 billion people or thereabouts who who have a disability around the world and the IPC I think have done a fantastic job over the last couple of years in drawing attention to that and bringing organizations bringing some of the world's biggest organizations together to, to create this campaign around that and it's I think it's just at the beginning of that campaign so I think that this is something that they will continue to run for the next you know for the coming years I think it's over a 10-year period or more even um, and using the power of the games to, to throw a light on that um, and to try and you know, to try and make sure that you know we talk about legacy and we throw that word around but to try and make sure that real change happens so you know the IPC is all about change happening through sport and and that's our responsibility here in, in the UK as well regarding the situation ahead of the winter Paralympics obviously the invasion of Ukraine they got the decision right in the end is that a fair comment i think yeah i think so i do you know i do sympathize with them you know they they um the, the ipc um they got the decision right there was an enorm enormous amount of political pressure for them to do that um they you know i think they were the the, the fact that they sort of made us uh, the previous day of course they had um made a decision to allow russian and belarus athletes to compete as neutrals and i think that the fact that the following day they they ch they changed the the decision as they did um was partly reflective of the the pressure they were under at that time but also partly a reflection of sort of the really serious thinking that was going on within the ipc you know they are very conscious about supporting all disabled people all around the world and and trying you know i think you know i think there was an attempt to sort of try and keep politics out of sport and to try and sit above that and 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 if they could but the reality i think was was different and so they they made that decision as they did and of course you know we're we're all you know it's just horrific what's what's happened over over the last month um and we're in discussions with the the, the Ukrainian NPC um, around, you know, how we can help, um, and um, we're we're really keen to see how we can help if we can, whether that's in trying to find some funding for them or just trying to make sure that um, people have access to to sporting you know, training facilities. Um, so we're we're in discussions at the moment on that. Was there ever any pressure on on you as an organisation not to go and not compete in Beijing? no not directly i mean we did have we were having conversations with um with with ministers in the lead up to that if you remember you know the timing it was the day after the olympics had finished um which which is not the first time that's happened um and so there were obviously lots of conversations going on we were, we were talking to the the ministers at um uh, dcms um sports minister and others regularly and um so there was there was clear political pressure for um for exclusion um but no direct pressure on the the, the bpa i mean we clearly had some requests but um i, I wouldn't call it as uh, as pressure and was it an option or did you put your athletes at the center of it these are athletes that have trained for four years this is their moment there's no thought in my mind that we won't give those athletes the opportunity to compete well i think you know i think things happened as they did so so that was you know that that's where we got to i think had a 
different decision been made had the decision been made um, not to exclude the Russian and Belarus athletes, then, then I don't quite know what would have happened at that point. You know, I think had Ukraine decided to pull out, then I think there would have been pressure on others to do the same. Um, and but we didn't get to that point. Um, but clearly, it would have been it would have been something that we would have had to think very hard about and take a decision on very quickly. You did get to the point, though, that the Games began. You marched in an opening ceremony and you won a medal on day one. And that kind of set the pattern for what was a very successful Beijing 2022. Yeah, I know it was. And um, to, to come away with six medals and to, to create, you know, there were some fantastic performances there. You know, the first ever, uh, first ever gold medal on snow for a, for a British skier um, uh, with Neil and, An and Andrew Simpson, and whether that's a, a, you know Olympic or Paralympic, was just brilliant. First ever uh, snowboard medal for Paralympics as well. So I mean, it, some really brilliant performances, and that actually not just the medal performances. There were an awful lot of athletes who who competed, you know, who, who competed at their best and delivered some personal best performances. So they should feel really, really pleased. Going back to Tokyo, if you think about what happened in Tokyo as well. To, to not only to come second in the medal table there, but to, to to win medals in 18 out of 19 sports was just something that no other nation has ever come close to before. So the performances of both winter and summer have just been staggering over the last, last months. And the fact that we have Paris, then we have uh, Cortina, and then obviously Los Angeles, we've got Brisbane. Um, the fact that these, I guess, are host cities that, on the surface at least, don't appear to have any kind of risks attached or no baggage attached. Do you understand what I mean by that? I do, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll find issues to, to, to deal with. Um, so yeah, I mean, so there's a lot to look forward to. You know, I think we're, we're very busy now with Paris. The plans are well advanced for Paris. We've had teams um, been over there several times. I've been over there a couple of times, going again a couple of times over the next next few weeks so at this stage it's all about securing the facilities that we need for the team um, working with the sports on their prep camp facilities uh, to make sure we've got that right um, making sure we've got the the right facilities for for the athletes in paris um, and and to to organize a, a paralympics gb house so that people that want that are coming over to the games can uh, that we can bring people together and all that sort of thing. So lots, lots of work going on at the moment from the team. Um, but it's going to be, going to be really exciting. And of course, what's going to be brilliant is, I mean, Paris is is uh, right next door, so very easy for us to get over to. But it's just going to be fantastic to have spectators back in the stands again and have friends and family that can can be over there. You know, I think that's the thing in a way that is such a shame for. Tokyo and Beijing, the the Japanese and Chinese did such a great job in putting on those games in really difficult circumstances. And it was just such a shame that they weren't able to have their um, to, to have the stadiums full full of spectators. And and you know, thinking back to to London, that amazing summer that we had in 2012 when so many people went in and were able to to experienced Paralympic sport for the first time and that's what really made the, the the shift happen as well of course as what Channel 4 did and how and how they projected it 
Um, so that it'll be great in Paris to, uh, fingers crossed, to be able to do that again. Um, and, and, and I know for the athletes, you know, it's not the same when you're competing in, in an empty stadium and your friends and family aren't there. I'm deal for, for Paralympic athletes. And it's going to be great that we can do that again in Paris. And on that, of course, final point is it's happening in the right time zone. So whereas London 2012 made superstars of the likes of Ellie Simmons, Hannah Cockcroft, others whose names we know, Johnny Peacock, I could go on. The fact we have Paris, Milan, Cortina, it's going to be on primetime Channel 4. We're going to make another little generation of Paralympic superstars, hopefully. We will. And there's... There's no doubt about that. We are set to um, experience some more amazing performances and both from our existing team, you know, some, some, the thing about Paralympians, they just, the number of Paralympians who have, who, who continue to amaze us games after games. You know, I, I remember in Tokyo watching Lee Pearson get another three gold medals i mean it's just incredible and and there are so many that that do that do that and so but we will have lots lots more new stars coming through and it'll be brilliant yeah so we can't wait for that um and and of course those performances are so important because it's those performances that that continue to shift attitudes and and that's that's part of what our job is too well, I'll make a promise to you now that we'll be following you on that journey to Paris, Milan, Cortina and beyond as well here on Anything But Footy. Mike Sharrett, Chief Executive of the British Paralympic Association, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.